Today's scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. This is the word of God. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh and the dividing wall of hostility by the by abolishing the wall the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility and he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near for through him we both have access in one spirit to the father So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. If you are new to our church, this is a good time to hear about what uh, what we stand for because at the beginning of the year, I like to do a series on one of the core convictions that we stand upon as a church. We are a church that's all about the gospel and what are certain convictions about the gospel that forms who we are as a New Hope Church. Um, I thought this would just be a quick time to, since we're in part five of this series, give you a quick recap of where we've been. Um, Part one... I gave a message called The Power of the Gospel. The Gospel is the word of what God has done through us through Jesus, and it has a power to change lives. It's not just an idea or a set of words. There's power in it. Part two, I gave a message called The Fruit of the Gospel, and many people wrestle with this question of what is faith and works. And salvation is by faith, not by works. And yet there is a fruit, just as from an apple seed comes an apple tree, and then there is a fruit of apples. There is, if there is faith, there is really, that starts to, something that is as natural as apple from an apple seed, from the Holy Spirit, comes a, a heart to actually begin to do works that seek to glorify Jesus. Though salvation is by faith, not by works, and yet there's always works that come out of the heart, transformed by Christ through the gospel. That was part two. Part three, I talked about something called the problem of human righteousness, which is really the deep problem of life itself. It's not even just that we're bad people and that we're sinners. It's just that, it's that even our righteousness is not enough. It's not even just your sins are, will keep you from God. It's your righteousness is not enough to even make us whole as people and to get us to God. And it's only through the righteousness of Christ, through the gospel, 
that we can be made whole and come to God. And last week, I talked about something very painful and difficult in our society. I, talk, I, I called that message, Crossing the Barriers of Race and Ethnicity. And that is how we are divided from one another through, well, quite, quite frankly, through racism and through cultural prejudice. And how, through the gospel, a new people can be made. And today's message is actually in some ways a bit of an extension of last week's message. But today I want to particularly talk about how communities wrestle with a problem, the problem of exclusion. And today I'm talking about welcoming and embracing those who are far off. Because that's what this passage is about. Very often, times people, when you go to church, are saying, what does the Bible have to say to me? But actually, there's even more than that. Sometimes the gospel has something to say about what is it, what is it about how it will, we will become a new kind of a we, a new kind of an us, a new kind of a community. And that's what this passage, Ephesians chapter 2, is about. And today I want to talk about this question of who is far off, who is excluded. As I typically do um, in three parts. Part one. Part one of my message is the problem of exclusion and the belonging for inclusion in community. The problem of excluding, being excluded, and the longing to be included. Part two, whom do you, I want to ask you to take some stock, whom do you in your life tend to think, you're a person who's far. <laughs> you're a person who's far off, as the Bible talks about. Whom do you see as far off in your life? And then part three, the hope of a new kind of peace through Jesus. So I'm going to talk about the hope of a new kind of peace through Jesus. Um, part one, the problem of exclusion. Um, uh, many of you guys know I like stories, and I like to start with a little story. When I was a boy, we came to the United States. I was born in Korea, and I was five years old when our family immigrated to the U.S., and that was 1976. So now you guys can do the math and figure out how, how old I am. And some of you are going, wow, you're old, Pastor. <laughs> and some of you are going, wow, he's, he's, he's kind of young, all right? Um, but whatever your perception is, I know I look really young and vibrant, okay? But, but I, I'm really not that young, as you, as you know, um, because I was five years old in 1976, which is when we came to the U.S., and we immigrated to um, Richmond, California, which is... I don't know what you call that, East Bay? Is that East Bay? It's east of San Francisco, right, anyway. And that's north of Berkeley. And back then, Richmond, I don't know what it's like today, but Richmond was a working-class black community. And so I went to an elementary school, and I still remember the name of the school. It's Stege Elementary School. And in Stege Elementary School, pretty much every kid was black, except for me, <laughs> And I think there was one Chinese kid in school, because you, can, you, you, can, you, you go out into the, the, the schoolyard, everybody's black, and there's one other Asian-looking kid, and then you go up to him and talk to him, and you find out, hey, are you Korean? No, he's Chinese. Okay, he's Chinese. I was like, what's Chinese? I'm Chinese. I'm like, okay, Chinese, I've heard of you guys. Um, and I think there were a couple of white kids in school, and the reason I know there were a couple of white kids is because you can see them. There's the one white kid over there, <laughs> and there was the one white kid over there, and one of them was in my class, okay? And, um, and 
as you might imagine, um, you, you don't speak English. Well, I did not speak English very well. In fact, I didn't speak English at all when I first came to the U.S. And I felt nervous. Everybody doesn't look like me. I can't even speak their language. How will I be treated? Will I be excluded? Many of the kids called me names. You can guess some of the names. Chink, Jap, Nip. I learned all those English words. They were, in fact, some of the first English words I learned. <laughs> Isn't that sad? <laughs> and um, in, in America, people are very concerned about the question of racism from those people who are white. But actually, the first, form, the first forms of exclusion and of racism that I experienced actually came from people who are black. When I was in the first grade, uh, my best friend was a guy named Diori. I don't remember his last name. And I loved him. He was so great to me. When I felt excluded and was made to feel like an outsider from so many other kids, he made me feel utterly welcomed. And I remember what it was like. I'm six years old. I would go to school. And, and I don't remember. I, don't, I didn't care what they were gonna be, I was going to be taught in class. I... Um, uh, uh, um, I, uh, I was, a, as many of you know, I was a very high achiever in school, but that was not the case in first grade. Okay. In first grade, I was not a high achieving kid. I didn't even speak English very well. They put me in the, the, the kids who couldn't speak English group. <laughs> and, and I wasn't very good at math, and you guys remember what this is like. My teacher had three math groups in first grade. There was sort of the smart kids math group, and then there was sort of the normal, mediocre, average kids, and that, that was most of the class. And then there was sort of kind of the dumb kids group. And this may surprise you, I was in that one. <laughs> I was in the bottom group. <laughs> and you know what? I didn't care <laughs> that I was in the bottom group. And somewhere in the middle of the year, my teacher promoted me from the bottom group to the middle group. And this is funny. I didn't care then either. I didn't care. I was like, I'm, and I didn't care that I was in the dumb kids group, and I was now get to be in the average kids. I didn't even care because you know what I cared about when I went to school. I cared about seeing Diori, <laughs> and he always got to school before me. And I showed up at school, and he'd be standing there at the gate waiting for me. And as soon as he saw me, his face would light up, and my face would light up. And I'd run up to him, and he was my bestest buddy. And it's really because he included me. So I'm not making this up. This is, this is what life was like for me in first grade. Okay? And, I, I, and I, I was actually, this week while I was thinking about him, I was trying to think of, um, why were we friends? <laughs> what made us friends? Um, he wasn't an especially one of the smart kids, and as I just told you, neither was I. <laughs> um, he wasn't a jock. He wasn't very athletic. 
And um, this may surprise you, I was, when I got to third and fourth, I guess my athletic genes kicked in by the time I was in third, fourth, and fifth grade. So I ran with the jocks in fourth and fifth grade, but not in first grade. <laughs> I was clearly excluded from the jocks in first grade. He wasn't one of the athletic kids. Neither of us were one of the cool kids. And what I mainly remember is we talked about superheroes. I would draw superheroes and, um, in, in, in class. And he loved my drawings of the superheroes. And do, do, any, of you, do any of you boys do this one? When I was in first grade, the, the bell would ring. We would go outside for a recess. And I would take my jacket and I would tie it around my neck. And, and then we as boys would run from one side of the yard as fast as we could to the other side of the yard. And while you're running, you do this. And while you're running, the, your jacket would fly in the back and be your cape. And you could say, I'm Superman or, or whatever. And so Diori and I loved being Superman or Batman or name the superhero that we were going to be that day. That's mainly what I remember. And the other thing I remember about him was he had a great sense of humor. We had a lot of laughs. We had a lot of laughs. And um, he made school great for me. I mostly felt like I was excluded at school. I wasn't a smart kid. And I couldn't speak English very well. But Diori included me. This is really interesting, too. I'll tell you some other um, stuff that I was, I was thinking about this week. His older brother was in the third grade. And I don't know if you remember this, but when you're in the first grade, a third grade kid is a huge kid. <laughs> a third grade is a, big, is a big kid. And he's smarter than you, tougher than you. He's like, whoa, third grade, okay? And that's what, and his older brother was well, this in third grade. And I have no idea what his older brother was like in school, but according to Diori, and Diori worshipped his older brother. He bragged about his older brother regularly. Told me how his older brother, he told me that his older brother was the smartest guy alive and told me that he was the smartest boy in his class. And he told me he was tough and can kick anybody's butt because, you know, that's when he was like, can your brother kick somebody else's butt? I bet you my brother can kick everybody's butt. I'm like, okay, all right. And, and so Diori talked about his brother. And, um, and since Diori was my bestest friend, and if his brother was that cool, then he must be cool. <laughs> and I met his older brother... And I don't remember his name, and his older brother hated me. <laughs> he hated me. <laughs> and he always told Diori, don't hang out with that chink kid. He hated me because he didn't like the Chinese kid. And I'm like, I'm not Chinese. <laughs> I'm Korean. He's like, whatever. <laughs> and he hated me for no better reason than the fact that I wasn't black. And he constantly told his younger brother, and so this is, I was thinking about this, I was thinking, Diori worshipped the ground his brother walked on and wanted to be his brother in every way. 
His brother was tough. His brother was smart. And, and yet, when it came to picking his friend, Diori completely ignored his older brother. I mean, what his brother said about me was like, I mean, it just was irrelevant. It made, it, it, he didn't care. As far as he was concerned, what his brother said, and I, I remember back then, and it never occurred to me that that was weird. I was just thinking like, well, whatever. Your brother hates me, but you're my bestest buddy. Hey, let's go, let's go hang out. And then we'd go hang out. And then after school, his brother would show up and then, you know, like say hor horrible, mean things about me. And D.R.E. goes, see you tomorrow. <laughs> and, and then, and then uh, run off with his brother because he has to go home with his brother, right? And, and as I was thinking about this, and by the way, Diori didn't have a racist bone in his body. Um, and I would say bye to him. And my parents both worked because you know, we were poor. They both worked really hard, saved money, that stuff. And obviously, uh, my brother and I, they couldn't take care of us after school. So they would send us to daycare in this uh, poor, working-class, black community. And as you can imagine, most of the kids at daycare are black, too. And I get the same racism there <laughs> as, I, I, as I did at, at school. And at daycare, um, the, the, the kid that I befriended was white. And there were only two white kids in the whole daycare. There's lots of kids. And from, you know, like age three all the way up to like age 11. And uh, I was the only Asian kid. There were two white kids and everybody else was black. This is, is strange. Um, as I remember, at school, I was not treated that badly. I mean, I got racist names and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe I was, but I, I just stopped thinking about it because my bestest buddy welcomed me. At daycare, after school was out, I watched the, the kids in, in daycare treat my f white friend, his name was David, horribly. <laughs> he got treated way worse in daycare than I did when I was in school throughout the day. <laughs> he got called every horrible name. I learned all the bad words because of the way he was called. The F word, the SH word, you name all those words. I learned all those words because that's what he was called <laughs> by, by the black kids. And, um, and I remember thinking, wow, I'm glad I'm not white. <laughs> that's remember, I remember thinking, like, I'm glad I'm not white. <laughs> they were so busy the kids were so busy tearing apart my white friend, they didn't bother with me. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad I'm not white. They're like, they can pick. But, um, but he, he, I really liked him. And, uh, you know, with Diori, we talked about super friends. And, and I liked Star Trek. So I used to watch Star Trek. And with David, we, were, we, we, we would do Star Trek. <laughs> he was Captain Kirk, and I would be Spock, and we would have our adventures together. He was a really imaginative kid, uh, and he would come up with these scenarios. We ended up on this planet, 
the, the people here, and so you be Spock, and I'll be Kirk, and we, we, and we would always pull out our phasers, of course. We'd always have to have phasers, okay? And, um, and then we would play, and then in between our Star Trek games, he would get racist, racism spewed on him almost every day. Now, why am I telling you this? Um, do any of you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever felt anything like this before? Um, our country badly longs for inclusion. Our country, more and more our culture, we are offended by exclusion in every way. Um, when I was there, that age, uh, White people didn't seem to be too worried about feeling excluded from black people. <laughs> but today, there are plenty of white people, if they ever meet somebody who's black, they actually want to feel accepted by that person. I know plenty of white people who fear being excluded by people who are black because they are white. <laughs> I'm sure my friend David knew what that was like. And... This passage we're talking about is talking about that issue. <laughs> it's, it, is a, it is a raw and powerful issue. I mean, as, I, as I'm telling you about this, you're sitting there, some of you are smiling, and I bet you just as I'm telling you this story about my friend Diori, um, my white friend David, it's taking you to a painful place, some of you. <laughs> and... We have issues even in our culture. Um, um, one of the, the exclusion that is, is very raw and painful in our culture now is people who are homosexuals. They constantly feel, well, most of the people are heterosexuals. <laughs> so if I'm gay, will you extend some welcome to me? Will you constantly exclude me? That's the story. That's what we're constantly dealing with this in our society. And if you don't think the Bible talks about this, this is the passage. Here it is. To the church, it's a church. And in the church of Ephesus, you have Gentiles and you have Jews. And if you think the division between whites and blacks is deep in America, I mean, it's nothing compared to Gentiles and Jews during the time when Paul wrote this letter. If you are a Jew... All the people who are Gentiles, they walk into that temple, bow down to some weird god, and then they have orgies, and then they have drinks and get drunk, and that's how they celebrate worshiping this god. And if you are a Jew, that is just completely gross and disgusting. And then, they, then the next week, then they go to a different god, and then they practice something similar. And if you are a Jew, there are laws and commands about how to stay pure. They have to worship the right God. And there are moral rules and laws, but it gets even deeper than that. It's you can't eat certain things. You can't be friends with them. You can't even sit at the same table with these people. Because they will eat things you're not supposed to eat. They are supposed to wash before you eat. You're supposed to make yourself cleanse in a certain way. And they don't do any of that stuff. 
And if you dip your hands in the same food that they dip your hand in, that you dip your hand in, then that food becomes unclean. You become unclean. The whole thing is disgusting. But now you are Jewish, and now you believe in Jesus Christ, and you've been accepted by God through Jesus. That guy is a Roman, or he's a Phoenician. Both of them are gross to you. <laughs> Your whole life they were gross. And now that guy accepted Jesus, and you go to church together. There's no, there's no Jewish church and Roman church and Phoenician church. There's only church. There's only one church in this town. And everybody who believes in the gospel goes to this church. So when you eat, you would never eat next to the Phoenician guy. You wouldn't even choose him to be your friend. And when you go hang out with your family, if you had a friend who was Phoenician, you would never admit it. You would never even admit it. It's, it's like that issue. Diori's brother is telling him, don't hang out with that kid, Susan. Are you kidding? But it's way deeper than that. Way more intense. And here he is, Paul saying, some of you were far off from God, and some of you were a little nearer because at least you knew some things from God through the Bible. Well, whether you were near, you were Jewish, or whether you were far, you were Gentile, now all of us made it to God the same way through the blood of Jesus. And so now we've been bound together into one people. And, and in so many different ways. Last week I talked about this difficulty because we all have cultural prejudice. <laughs> and it runs deep. It's not even just skin color. You can accept a person for a different skin color, but now you start just, it just starts getting thicker into their culture. And <laughs> like, it's, ah. <laughs> it starts bothering you. It starts bothering you if they have some practice that you consider below grade immoral just like the Jews, to the Gentiles. And it may even just bother you if they just eat weird food and they smell funny. The black kids in that daycare used to call, I still think, I still remember this, they used to call David oatmeal. That was one of the insults. I had no idea what oatmeal smells like, but apparently he smelled like oatmeal. <laughs> and the black kids hated oatmeal and so they called him oatmeal because apparently he ate oatmeal. I was like, I didn't know that. So they were like, why are you hanging out with oatmeal? That's what they'd say to me. And then they would call him effing oatmeal and all these horrible other things. And I was like, oatmeal? And because they didn't like the way he smelled. Just one other thing to exclude him. And yet in the house of God, and I want to ask you today something. i say a little other point. Exclusion can happen in a lot of ways. It's, it's funny. In name, ex externally, we can, ex we can say we can accept one another. So in America, you're not supposed to be racist at all. We're all supposed to accept each other. So, hey, I accept you. You're white or you're black and I accept you. Sure, no problem. And generally, we try our best to be that way and that's good. Right? But you know, 
there are some people who can marry into another, into a, uh, your, your spouse or your girlfriend, your, your boyfriend, and you're married. <laughs> and so now you're just married into this family, and yet you can still feel not fully ex- included. So by, by marriage, by legal, we're, I've been included. <laughs> but when you get together with the family, you can still feel excluded. And that's one of the things I want to tell you. In Christ, all are included if you believe in Jesus. No matter what race, ethnicity, socioeconomic, anything. And yet, you can come into a church and you could feel like you're an outsider looking in. And today I want to say this to you. If you are not, say, Asian or Korean, I know it's very easy. You can walk into this building, into this community, even right to the, the, the smells of the food that comes from the room over there, and you can feel, am I an outsider? Am I excluded or am I included? In Christ, we absolutely tell you we're included. Absolutely. We'll even say this to you. You don't believe in Jesus, and you're not really a part of our church, but we welcome you. (laughs) And I want to say this to especially to all those of you who may be Asian, and and you've felt this experience of being in the society. You felt this experience of being in the society. Like me, when Diori's my bestest buddy, (laughs) his own brother... (laughs) would exclude me, despite the fact that his younger brother gave me his heart. Made me feel more included, more welcome, than anybody ever did in America when I was a boy. That that, even then, we must do that in Christ. And the second point I want to say, if you are a person if you are a person who is not Korean or Asian, and you feel like, gosh, these people always, I feel, I can't, they're not very good at making me feel included in this, in this uh, place, I want to say something to you. The reason there is even a community like this, why there is a church like this, is because there's a whole set of people that always feel excluded. And if you could just understand that about them, if you could understand that about them, instead of feeling hey, I feel like they're excluding me. They actually want to try to include you. They're just not very good at it. (laughs) Or we're not very good at it. But if you can understand that through most of their life, they feel the way I felt going to that school when I was six years old. And that's why there's a church like this. And yet, nonetheless, we're not a Korean church. We're not even an Asian church. Yeah, yeah, kind of we are, but we're not. Because the fundamental, most central thing of what makes you you, if you trust in Christ, is not your race, your ethnicity, your education. It's not even your hobbies. These are all the different ways we exclude each other. Exclusion is a fact of life that we cannot avoid. We long to be included, but actually it's just a fact of life even when we're not even trying to do anything bad. Even from hobbies, we exclude. 
We don't even mean to do it this way. You ever been in a fantasy football league? Maybe some of you are saying, I'm not into football. But everybody at the water cooler at my work talks about football, and they're into the fantasy football league. So you join that league when they start the league. And then on Monday morning, they talk about touchdowns and who scored what. And you're in the league, but you're not very interested. So you join the group. You've been included. But because you're not into football, you're still excluded, aren't you? You're still an outsider. That's a, that is the issue of exclusion. But we're not people based upon hobby or ethnicity or culture. Here, when you come to this community of God through Christ alone, <laughs> only through Jesus. And only through Jesus is there a welcome and inclusion where all these things will be put in second place. And the second place should be very, very distant second place. Let me go to part two of my message. If you trust in Jesus Christ, um, why is it that you, and I am accusing you, I should say accuse me too, because I do, do, I do this too. And I have to say, hey, 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 you're the, you're the professional Christian. <laughs> you, you get paid to be the Christian. <laughs> you're the, so like you need to believe in what you preach. And I, I have to say this to myself too. I should accuse us. Then how come when you go seeking for community, you're always doing it based on all the secondary things? You walk in, and you immediately size people up. Who's near, who's far? Who's near and who's far based on what? Their skin color. And you and, and, you and I, we do this. I, I go, I look in, walk into a room, oh, he's this way. That person's far. <laughs> oh, she's this kind of person. Person's far. Uh, a wrong political party. Far. <laughs> oh. Oh, wow, this person's from the wrong neighborhood. Far. You immediately put them in the far camp. How do you, who are the people that you do this to? And I want you to think about this for yourself. Not for your friend, not for your wife, not for your family, for yourself. Who do you keep far away? You plug them into the far away camp. Because you know what today's message is about? Paul is saying those who are far off, God called and brought near. And if you want to experience and taste something really great and incredible of God, this is what God can do that other people, that only human beings can't do. If you do it in the, the normal human being way, apart from God, you know what we do? We exclude, we exclude, we exclude. You're far, you're far, exclude you. You're far, exclude you. You're far, exclude you. Who can be your friends? Who can be close to you? Who can be in, in the center of, near the center of your life? A very few set of people. <laughs> There's a lot of ways we do this. I mean, the, the first simple way. Wrong ethnicity, wrong culture. You, ca uh, you can't relate to me. I can't relate to you. You're far. Boom. Can't be your friend. Or you could be a football-talking friend. But we won't talk about anything more than that. You're keeping them far. You keep them far. 
I do it too. Race and ethnicity, just like that. A second way, we compound it. Um, I call this the ethnic holy huddle. <laughs> you look at a people, you know something about generally that ethnicity, they're not into Jesus. They're not into Jesus. And immediately you look at them and you think, you assume they won't care about anything about God that you believe in. You're like, I believe in Jesus. Hey, my coworker at, at work, that guy is from Iraq. Or he's from, let's just let's choose Iran. Okay, there's lots of people from Iran and San Jose. I don't know if there's a lot of people from Iraq and San Jose. One of our missionaries that we support, he reaches out to people from Iran who are Persians. Many of them, we already know, well, they're Muslims. And in Iran, of a particularly very strict version of it, <laughs> a very particularly strict version of Islam, and so if your coworker or your neighbor is Persian, you go, oh, that guy won't be interested in God. If you talk to a missionary, and I, won't, I don't want his name to go on our recording. <laughs> I've had this conversation with him. He'll say, actually, many of them are interested in Jesus. <laughs> Especially the ones that left Iran. Because they left Iran because they do not like that very strict version of Islam. And they already decide if there's a God, he's not Allah. And so, they don't know anybody who's Christian, or very few, but if they, if someone will ask, give them kindness, invite them into a circle of, of church, and tell them really something about Jesus, they're like, I'm interested. He told me, they're interested. They're really interested. Because most Persians are not atheists. They're not secular atheists. They're like, I'm not an agnostic. I'm not an agnostic. There's a God, for sure. I just don't know who he is. So I'm interested in Jesus. But if we assume, just because of this ethnicity, he's not interested in Jesus, guess what? You're wrong. You're keeping him far away. Because you've got no faith that the gospel can bring him near. And we do this too. I do this too. I, I keep trying to do this because I meet various different folks in San Jose all the time. And I keep thinking, could you become near? And I'll just throw one more at you. We oftentimes pick church. We pick church because church is the people that we've already kind of sized up as the kind of people that can be near to us. Who do we, how do we pick church? We're all shoppers now. I almost wish there was a day when there was not a Korean church or a Baptist church. Because now all the churches are market segmented. Do <laughs> you realize that? So you show up with your consumerism. We all show up with our consumerism and we shop church too. In fact, that's what we call it, church shopping. And what are we doing? We're already sizing up people. Are you a person near or are you a person far? And so, if the church isn't got the right ethnicity, doesn't have the right socioeconomic background, doesn't have people that like talking about football because I like football. How about this one? Um, well, there's not enough young people here, and I'm in my 20s, and I want there to be people in my 20s. 
There's too many people in their 40s. And so, oh, far. <laughs> and oh, they're Christians. Are they my kind of Christians? You know, some of you go, I don't want to go to one of those churches where they do this. I don't want any of those kind of Christians. <laughs> I don't want those kind of Christians. So not only have to be Christians and of the right ethnicity and of the right socioeconomics, they got to be the right kind of Christians. Market segment that too. And if we do that, you know what, then what, what's happening? The church has now become a social club of market segmentation. And you know what? All the people outside of the church who don't believe in Jesus say, that's exactly what they say. The church doesn't have God. Are you kidding? It's just a social club with a little religion in it. Or maybe a lot of religion in it. And Whether it's a little religion or a lot, I don't want it. Because it's hypocrisy. It's not about God. It's about social club. And that's what they say. And if we come together, not on the basis of the gospel, if we come together and then we pick our community on the basis of all these secondary attributes and constantly have a, a whole lot of people. So you have a category, the near category and the far-off category. A lot of people in the far-off category. Only a certain small little camp of people in the near category. That's how you pick a church. If that's what you're doing, and that's how you can invite, invite the church. Oh, our church is, well, if they're not Korean, they can't come to our church. Look around this room. Is everybody in this room Korean? <laughs> no. Some of the regulars in the room aren't even Korean, and they don't seem uncomfortable. That's exactly the way it should be. They should be happy. People should be happy. You know what makes me really happy? When somebody comes to our church, they don't believe in Jesus. They're not even sure if they believe in Jesus. They're certainly not Korean. They're like, I don't even know about this Jesus stuff. And they come here and they feel welcomed. And when they hear what's being taught, they're thinking, whatever that is, that's clearly about God. And your picture of God, whoa, that's a pretty interesting God. And when that happens, and that has happened, that's happened a number of times in this church. A, per people, a person just like the way I just described to you. And they often like, they come up to the pastor because they don't want to talk to any of the regulars. No, the pastor will be nice. They come up and talk to the pastor. And they'll talk to me, and then I find out they don't believe in Jesus, but they feel that there's some warmth here. And you know what I, when they get that, you know what I think? Holy Spirit is in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I go home really happy that day. <laughs> Let me go to part three of my message. There's a new kind of peace through Jesus. I'm going to give you a little homework this week. How can we go to a new kind of peace through Jesus? So I'm going to give you a to-do action item, and then I'm going to give you the gospel. Here's the to-do action item, which I hope many of you will try to do and I know many of you don't do the homework, so fine, okay? So that's this church. 
I'm not going to grade you. And says, yeah, you're not going to grade you. We're all like this. She's like, if you don't get graded, then, then, um, then I'm not going to do the homework. Fine. OK, fine. OK, but it'll, it'll help you. I'm, I'm, I promise you it'll help you if you have a, 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 an exercise, a little bit of faith, and do the homework, OK? Here's my homework assignment to you. Go pick somebody in the far camp, whatever that is far for you, and invite them to lunch. Ask them questions about them, and then just listen. I didn't tell you to stick some Jesus down their throat. <laughs> oh, oh, you, oh, oh, you're, you're, you're from India. Oh, you're, you're, you're Hindu? Oh, okay. Okay, in the middle of this conversation, I've got to find some way to stick some Jesus in him. <laughs> Don't do that, okay? <laughs> just first love this person, Okay? That's all I'm asking you to do. Take the person as far and bring them a little close and dare to draw them near, not because you can fix them, because you can't, but because you believe Christ in you can love them even if you can't love them. That's it. That's all I'm asking you to do. Okay? So pick somebody far from you. Maybe the, the far from you is, I don't like poor people. Maybe we're like, I don't like rich people. <laughs> I don't like old people. Or some combination. I don't like atheist, old white people. <laughs> and that's my boss. <laughs> okay, fine. Try it. And then when we gather together, let's talk about it. Okay, let's see what happens. Just try it. Now let me... Okay, pastor, I'll be nervous about it. Don't know if I'm going to do it. Don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and I don't have enough faith to do it. You know what you really need? Have more faith. Come on, have more faith. No, that's not what I'm going to say. <laughs> what I'm going to say is this. You just need to see Jesus. And I'm going to present the gospel to you in a way to help you see Jesus in a way that you don't normally see him. For many of you, when you see Jesus, you know who Jesus is? He's the Mr. Perfect God way up there. And mostly, he's disappointed with me because I'm always failing. That's how most of you think of Jesus. Or, maybe you're like, he's the really nice guy way up there. And I call out to him when the bottom drops out, and I hope you'll help me out. <laughs> because I, I heard Jesus is kind and nice. God, I'm kind of afraid of him. Jesus is God, but he's the nice version. Call him out to him. But let me, tell you, let me present Jesus to you this way. Here's what the gospel says. Jesus came to this earth to seek the people who deserve to be excluded from God. All their whole life. It was all about me. It was all about my money. I hate these people. Far away, my comfort zone, consumeristic, my little, little thing, because we're all insecure. We're insecure. Because we're insecure, we're constantly going to go, I'm going to make a little, little haven for myself. And that whole game plan, you know where it comes out of? Sin. It's broken us up in us. And that's why 
we live this way because we're without God, and we deserve to be excluded from God. And Jesus came to the excluded, and you know what? There was never a person more excluded. Jesus was more rejected than any person that has ever walked this earth. He was born not in a proper hospital. He was born a few feet away from the animal crap and put into a feeding trough. And when he went into his ministry, the people that were supposed to be his people, his ethnicity, who got the right teachings of God, supposedly, the Jews, they hired the people that they despise so that they can nail him up there, spit on him, yell at him, reject him, and despise him. That's the Jews. The Romans took a look at Jesus and said, you're such an idiot. Who cares about you? Your stupid ideas about God. Okay, you're just annoying. And if they want to crucify you, fine. And then his friends. He's got 12 really good friends. One of them was such a good friend, he said, I'm tired of being your friend. I'm going to make some money out of this. Of the other ones, the one that said, I will die for you. When a little girl said, hey, aren't you with Jesus? A little girl. <laughs> Turned to a total chicken and split on Jesus and rejected him. And all the other ten guys ran off like cowards. And Jesus died on a cross, utterly excluded by everybody. And on that cross, God rejected him. So that by his blood, he could pay for every piece of rejection and exclusion that we ever do, that's ever been done to us. And his blood would pay for all this insecurity, this unrighteousness which flows out of all our selfish insecurity, so that before God, he can make us welcomed and accepted. That's the gospel. And if you don't think that person understands the way you feel when you are nervous about exclusion, then you don't know Jesus. That person fully understands you way more deeply than you ever could possibly know and will draw you into an acceptance that you never knew could be the case. And now he invites you to taste of him and that power by going to people who are far off. I believe there's a church that will throw away the market segmentation, consumeristic Christianity, which is not even Christianity. It's, I don't even want to know what you want to call that. That's not Christianity. Right? That's, that's a peddled, market-segmented religion. But that ain't Christianity. Right? And we're all doing it in America. We're all guilty of it. But if there's a church, we will, very, we will very be serious about this, and we will say, I'm going to believe in Ephesians chapter 2, 17 and 19. 
He has preached peace to those who are far off and broken down the barriers that are in our hearts because the barriers in our hearts. We will taste something so beautiful and glorious of God that we'll love him all the more and we'll become a, (laughs) we'll make this a happier city. It's really weird to think of. And so I invite you to this hope that we call new hope through the gospel. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, you made your, you allowed yourself to be stripped bare and naked and rejected and excluded. Because we are so afraid in our life that we'll always be rejected and excluded. We really are kind of like the six-year-old version of me, even though I really wanted to be like Diori's brother. It was so painful that he would hate me. We're all like that. But we thank you, Lord, that there is a far better older brother, and that's you. And you make us sons and daughters of God, and you have made a way by your blood to break down the walls so there will be a people utterly embraced by you that can thus cross over into the far-off place and invite and welcome people who are far off to our hearts, which is for you and from you. And so we pray, Lord, that you would do this in our hearts and turn us into a very weird and very happy and very amazing and odd community. Whether we're large or small, do this through the blood and the power of Jesus, we pray.